just to repeat the headline uh, that is so impacting Fox's stock right now and paying a lot of meaning that a lot of people are going to be sitting up and paying attention. Fox News and Tucker Carlson are passing ways. And this is effective, Alex, Friday. We've already seen the last show. Yeah, that, so obviously this was extremely sudden. Um, we don't have any details on where uh, Tucker Carlson was going. This comes off the heels of the $787 million settlement that Fox agreed to with Dominion. And at that time, Fox said there would be no changes uh, to its uh, to its company or how it, it's handling things. But it looks like this is definitely a big change. We don't uh, know, though, how and where this wound up coming about. However, yeah. it leaves an enormous hole in the middle of Fox broadcasting. And happy Monday and welcome to The Deal. I'm your host, Ed Clark. It is Monday, April 24, 2023. It is not Saturday. It is not Sunday <laughs> when we're normally on. Uh, it's Monday. Uh, things happen in the world and sometimes can't be in place. In the last two weekends, some things have happened. So we weren't able to record a show, but there's so much news going on. We decided to do a special Monday edition of the deal. And as always, Val Atkinson is here. Hey, Val. Hello, Ed. How are you? Well, I'm good. You know, uh, like I said, things happen. And so I had to be on the road the last couple of weeks in, in Memphis and in Washington, D.C. and Atlanta and a lot of different places and uh, back in uh, Rollywood. And uh, but, you know, the news never stops. And, and there's plenty of news to talk about. And you called me earlier today, Val. It, it, you were shaking. Uh, you were crying. Uh, you really upset, <laughs> really upset. Because Tucker Carlson is unemployed. Now he's going to have to apply for unemployment, Val. Uh, now, now a lot of people haven't probably seen Tucker Carlson, but we have. Uh, tell me, first of all, who Tucker Carlson is and why you're so upset that he no longer has a job. I am really, really upset. I tell you, you know, Mr. Carlson, my, my main man over at Fox, He's the guy that everybody tuned into that makes Fox what it is. When McCarthy, Speaker of the House, was thinking about getting all of those tapes from the 1-6 committee and giving it to somebody, who did he think about giving it to? Tucker Carlson. That's the person he wanted to give it to so he could cherry pick that. Tucker Carlson is the kind of guy that a lot of people just don't understand. And if they understood him, Ed, like I do, I think they would hate him even more. <laughs> but seriously speaking, uh, the chickens have come home to roost. And uh, it's about time that things go the way they should go, if there's going to be anything called justice and truth in our culture, our society, and our civilization. We've got to have some kind of accountability. This guy has been running roughshod over what we call media and journalism and politics for too long. He's a young man. He's not even 60 yet. He's just in his 50s. He's still young. But he has been around long enough to really affect presidential elections, to affect an entire uh, political party. He has been around long enough to make people kowtow to him, to make people put him in their plans for success and capturing elective office. This guy was very, very powerful. I can't wait to hear the details about 
what was going on that precipitated uh, the CEO to make the final call to get rid of Tucker Carson. And I say the final call because it was a shock to Tucker. If you look at and listen to his last words on Friday, he said, I'll see you guys on Monday. Have a great weekend. As of that time, he was planning on being on the air today. He will not be on the air today because he's no longer an employee of Fox News. So it hit him like a thunderbolt. He even said he was shocked. He was stunned. And people should have done it the right way or whatever. Well, that ain't the way pink slips come out sometimes, Ed. Anybody who's ever gotten a pink slip, they can tell you sometimes it comes as a surprise <laughs> right out of the blue. And he got his as a surprise last week. Well, it, it, it was quite a surprise for a lot of people because, like you said, on Friday he talked about being back, you know, tonight, uh, uh, Monday, because – uh, we're recording this, you know, Monday uh, around 7 p.m. And and uh, he, by all measures, he thought he had made it through. Now, let, let's back up a little bit and talk about something else that happened to Fox most recently is that they lost in court. They actually settled for $780-some million uh, defamation against Dominion Voting Systems. Uh, in that case was about to go to trial. Literally, the lawyers were in court about to do their opening arguments, and Fox settled. Now, Dominion got 700 and some million dollars, but I got no satisfaction, Val, because I was hoping that Rupert Murdoch would be on the stand and Tucker Carlson would be on the stand and so on and so forth. I got a clip, and I want to talk about it. This is Tucker Carlson just a week ago talking to Donald Trump, and clearly... Uh, there, there's some problem. Uh, he, he was trying to get back into good graces of Trump because one of the things we learned in Discovery was that he said he hated Donald Trump. But let's look at this clip, and then we'll talk about it. The beginnings of a very big, very powerful nuclear, they're short five years. They had started much later. Russia and us are comparable. Massive power, massive. And that's one of the M things. More than people understand, More than people understand, yeah. Yeah, well, Were you they, surprised? They don't understand the power. If you look at Hiroshima, Hiroshima, as some people yep. call it, uh, if you look at Nagasaki, you look at those two events that took place many, many years ago, and multiply that power times 500. That's what you're talking about. Where it actually melted the granite. You know, granite is unmeltable by blowtorches. Yes. But the granite, if you look at granite areas, it's like water that got, you know, hardened like an ice skating rink. It melted the granite. If you look at that and multiply it times 500, that's what you're talking about. Um, when I listen to people talking about global warming, that the ocean will rise. So, Val, uh, Tucker Carlson is looking very pained trying to talk to Donald Trump seriously about anything. Uh, clearly, Tucker knows that the gig is up. He's already said that he hates Trump, that everything would be better if he just left. 
in the discovery from the Dominion case, it was clear that a lot of the hosts are at Fox. Uh, do you anticipate that maybe Laura Ingraham and some of these other people, uh, Sean Hannity, uh, that they there may be repercussions for them in the long run because they said the same and as bad as Tucker did, uh, is it possible that we may see some other people let go at Fox? Well, and that's why I said earlier, Ed, I, I, I can't wait to hear the reason uh, that Rupert and the other people said that they let uh, Tucker go. You know, there was a whole lot of misogynistic issues floating around Tucker as well. Uh, it, it wasn't just about 1-6. It wasn't just about the Dominion uh, voting case. There were uh, cases that uh, uh, people said he was not a good person to work with or for if you were a female. And and that if that is the case, then I don't think people like Laura Ingram or uh, uh, John Hannity and people of that ilk uh, have very much to worry about. But if Rupert is trying to clean house and set himself up so that he can have a better deal with, with Smartmatic, because they're asking for 2.7, 2.7 billion, which is almost $2 billion more than they end up playing the Dominion. They only got uh, $787.5 million. And if that be the case, then Sean Hannity, Laura Ingram, and some other people may have some problems. I think the other shoe is yet to drop. And I'm watching it very closely. If you tie me down and you make me make a bet, I would say that this does not portend badly necessarily for Sean Hannity. You've got to have somebody. Fox knows you can't clean house holistically and expect to still be viable competing with CNN and MSNBC and other networks. You can't do that. You can't start off with a rookie cast and do that. So they're going to have to have some people in there uh, that can still bring in uh, the big stories, that can still make big issues happen. Uh, and so I think Sean Hannity may be around a little longer than some of the naysayers may think. Yeah, well, you know, uh, I hope uh, a lot of them end up uh, leaving the air, but I can only hope that, hey, folks, uh, today is Monday, and we're here on the deal. Uh, I know, you sh you know, you're all messed up, discombobulated, but stay with us because we've got a whole bunch to talk about. Uh, and, again, I always try to remind you, if you're listening on the podcast, please do that. Continue to subscribe. Get other people to subscribe. Uh, you can watch us on YouTube, Facebook, all the different places you watch us. Uh, make sure you're letting people know we're growing the audience every day. So we really appreciate that. Uh, Val, so right after you called me crying about Tucker Carlson, you had to call me back because you started crying about Don Lemon. Don Lemon over at CNN gets the, gets the boot. 
Let's look at that clip and then we'll talk about that. Less than an hour later, Don Lemon announced he was no longer with CNN. Lemon took to social media saying he was informed of his firing this morning by his agent and that he was, quote, stunned by the move. His firing comes about two months after making controversial comments about Nikki Haley and her age, which he apologized for in February. Lemon voiced his frustration on Twitter, saying in part, after 17 years at CNN, I would have thought that someone in management would have the decency to tell me directly. But CNN firing back on Twitter soon after, accusing Lemon of lying. The network called the former anchor's statement inaccurate, saying he was offered an opportunity to meet with management, but instead released a statement on Twitter. And as we mentioned... So Val, Don Lemon says he didn't know anything was afoot. That, that at least they could have talked to him, but CNN says, no, we tried to get you to talk to us and we told your people, you know, well, we, you know, you still going to get fired, but we would have talked to you. Uh, what's the deal with Don Lemon? Why is Don Lemon uh, going to be standing in the unemployment line behind Tucker Carlson? Well, Don Lemon had multiple issues. I, I'm surprised personally that he took the job, first of all, to go from being anchor of his own show uh, to being a co-news anchor with two others. Uh, I was surprised that he took that job. It was a magnanimous demotion. And uh, somebody that he trusts their opinion and judgment must have talked him into that, I guess. But whatever it, it is, Don Lemon, unfortunately, Ed, and I say this with no joy in saying it, uh, he was not what, what you would call in our top tier as far as media and journalistic rankings are concerned. He was a nice guy. He was a amiable kind of person, uh, photogenic, all of those kinds of things. But he just wasn't a damn good journalist, you know? And he didn't have a, a overwhelming knowledge of the game of politics. You know, he didn't understand that. He, he didn't have a background of, of being a minister or walking with John Lewis or teaching political science or writing books or none. I mean, nothing. He, he was just a person that could read lines from the prompter you know, and uh, like I say, do some other things. There were some things that were hindering him as well. A lot of people uh, didn't like his sexual orientation. Well, that's up to them, but they didn't like it. Nobody brought it up that much. But the other thing that bothered me, I was just reading this afternoon, that there were some people, some women who didn't like the way he treated them. And I said, wait a minute, now he's gay, you know. Well, he's not sexually harassing them, I know, because of that. And I think what they're saying is that he was condescending in the way he talked to them, and they felt it was because of their gender. And, you know, when you got that along with your sexual orientation, along with the fact that, you know, you're not the most knowledgeable in your field, and you just got demoted from having your own show, that's a lot of baggage to be carrying around. And after a while, it just got too heavy uh, for people to deal with, and they had to let him go. 
Yeah, I think I think all those things are absolutely spot on, Val. And, and and the final straw is, you know, when they send you to the morning show, <laughs> right? After you had a primetime show, the writing is clearly on the wall. Absolutely. They either want you to quit, right, or they're going to quit you at some point if yep. you make one more mistake. And right. he made one more mistake. Yeah, uh, in in offending some of the female cast members that were on the morning show with him. Mm-hmm. But you know, one last thing about this, you know, we we can we can poke fun at Don Lemon or or at Tucker Carlson, but the reality is, Val, that this cable news thing, the cable news cycle, is problematic for me. You you, you know, uh, we watch cable news because we have to, so we know things. But uh, you know they really don't have that much viewership when you think about it. You know, Tucker Carlson was the number one uh, cable news person. His show had 3 million viewers a night. And a lot of times, Real Housewives and Dancing with the Stars have way more viewers than that. Do we have too many news channels, Val? I mean, what what, you you taught media politics. Are there too many outlets? Have we grown this cable news thing into these little niche, you know, viewership where I watch MSNBC and I don't watch anything else and I watch Fox and I don't watch anything else or I watch CNN and I don't watch anything else. Is that problematic to you? And and do you think there's ever going to be a change for that or have we let the genie out of the bottle? No, I don't believe it's problematic, Ed, simply because I, I think uh, news sources should be challenged. I, I think they should know that someone or something is looking over their shoulders and they just can't put out anything they want without having somebody to say, hey, I have a different view or there's a different way of looking at that same thing that you're talking about. So I think uh, because MSNBC knows that there's CNN out there and and Fox knows that there's MSNBC out there, uh, it kind of reins them in just a little bit, but here's where the problem is, Ed. They may rein one another in, but unless you have a entity on top of all of them being fair and being just, making sure that there is good arbitration, making sure there is truth in what is being portrayed and put forward, Unless you have that, then none of it matters. And we we lost that uh, in the administration of the 45th president. We lost that quite a bit. Uh, Joe Biden has done a great job of trying to get that back, having the FCC have some teeth in it and those sorts of things. But it's critically important that people who have FCC license know that the granting of that license has a flip side. It can be taken away from you. And the, the, the items that are listed as to how you keep that license should be very clear and they should be aware that it, it's there and it's gonna be checked on a daily and constant basis. So I, I wanna see the FCC have more teeth. I wanna see them say, Fox, you can't do this. MSNBC, you're playing too much politics. Uh, I want to see them get out there and say the American people need to hear the clear, unbridled, unfettered truth. That's what they need, and that's what I'm here to see that they get. So 
I'd like to take uh, take a look at the FCC and, and give them more teeth. Yeah, well, I, I, ho- I hope uh, we get better news out of Fox, though. I hope this whole thing with the firing of Tucker Carlson uh, is a wake-up call for the people over there that they can't do this stuff again. Uh, they almost caused the overthrow of the country with their nonsense of allowing Rudy Giuliani and and some of those other nutcases <laughs> to say that the election was rigged. You know what, man? It's a good place to take a break. When we come back, I want to talk about your other buddy. You've been crying about him, too. Clarence Thomas. He's in a little bit of hot water. I want to talk about how much hot water you think he's in and what may happen to him. So stay right there. We'll be right back after this message. This episode is sponsored by... My Local CFO, helping you build stronger growth by connecting your financial picture to your operational goals. Follow them on Facebook and LinkedIn at My Local CFO or visit their website at www.mylocalcfo.com. Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, we have now learned, has been for years claiming income from a company that did not actually exist when he said he earned income from that company. Now, is this simply a paperwork mistake or an innocent mix up or is it the latest in multiple new chapters of the questions surrounding Clarence Thomas? We are going to discuss all of it. Now, you may be saying, David, I I just heard something about Clarence Thomas a week and a half ago before you left. You told us about Clarence Thomas's financial relationship with a billionaire vacations, yachts, all sorts of different things. And yes, that is indeed true. But there are now multiple new allegations against Clarence Thomas. So let's jump into the first one. This is from a Washington Post investigation, which says Clarence Thomas has for years claimed income from a defunct real estate firm. And welcome back to our second segment of The Deal. I'm your host, Ed Clark. It is Monday, April 24th. 2023. And we're here, a special edition of the the deal. Uh, We've been away for the last two weekends and we didn't want to go too far because there's been too much news. Well, you know, we missed a lot of things um, while we were out, you know, the stuff that went on in Tennessee. And we'll talk about that in the final segment. Uh, And then just just the, the number of shootings that have been going on, Val, and a whole bunch of other things. But, you know, one of the things that's really been bothering me is uh, the court and, and the, the clip on the way back in showed your buddy, Clarence Hanky Head Thomas from South Kakalaki, uh, who does not like colored people. Uh, he reminds me of Uncle Ruckus. If you go back and look at some of my old pieces on the deal with edclark.com, I wrote a piece about how he reminded me of Uncle Ruckus from the Boondocks. Uh, he's hypercritical of black folks. Uh, now, uh, I'm not going to say anything about his wife, but uh, uh, clearly she's problematic. She tried to overthrow the government. She belongs to these ultra right wing groups. She's raised money for all kinds of stuff. Val. And now it seems Clarence been flying around the world. Now, he used to make a big deal about getting in his RV and how he and his wife just got in their RV and would drive around the country so they could be around the unwashed, right? They like RV parks. But but he was really getting on private jets and flying to all these expensive places. Val, what the hell is up with Clarence Thomas? Clarence Thomas is still smarting and he's still pissed off 
at the Anita Hill case. That happened eons ago, Ed. I think you were in grade school then, and we know that may not even been in this century. But, but at any rate, uh, he's ever since he's gotten on the court, he has vowed to not make it easy for anybody on the left or any Democrat or anybody that could have possibly been against his Supreme Court nomination. He will take that to the grave with him. He continues to fight about that. So if you fit in any way in a category that could have been against him in the Anita Hill case, he's not going to be for you. And that includes all Black people. That includes all Democrats. That includes liberals and progressives, as we call them. All of these people. So he's going to do whatever is necessary. And anytime he gets a chance to promote a right-wing issue, he'll do that. That's getting back at them for giving him a hard time and not allowing him to sail through the nomination process. Now, having said that, that that's why he does all of these things. You left out one thing when, he was, when you were talking about, uh, you know, spending time with the unwashed and being in his RV and all of that. Remember, he said he loved to hang out in the Walmart parking lot. Don't forget that. Okay. That's a lie, but that's what he said he does. Doesn't do any of that kind of thing. He's on a yacht. He's on a private jet. He's in an island. He goes to a villa, villa, and he hangs out on the beach, and he does all of that stuff that rich folks do. And then he comes back, and he plays the role of uh, poor little cracks, uh, you know. But the one thing that I have an issue with him on it is I read uh, a biography on Clarence Thomas a long, long time ago doing the Anita Hill piece. I wanted to find out who this guy was. And he bragged a lot about how he sent his son to college. He had borrowed and stole as much money as he could and he was still short to send his son to college. So he ended up selling his car to get the money to send his son to college. And he walked and thumb rides and begged and borrowed and stole as far as transportation is concerned. He did that for two years to make sure he said, and I was impressed. I was taken aback. I said, now that's how you make personal sacrifices for your loved ones. Okay, fine. And then I find out about his mother and the case of her domicile, where she lives, and how she lives, and how Mr. Crow stepped in and bought the property and fixed it up and did all of these things. Clarence Thomas didn't have anything to do with that. He didn't spend not one dime. That's his 94-year-old mother. He didn't spend not one quarter trying to upgrade her living standards and all those kind of things. And I felt kind of cheated because I had taken a position on him as a man because of what he did with his son. And now to look what he didn't do with his mom, I don't know, Clarence, the court is still out, the jury is still out on you in terms of what you really care about your family. I, I don't think he does at all. I mean, he's talked junk about his sister, uh, about saying that she was a 
basically a welfare, welfare queen, you know, at one point. And then, and then this whole story about uh, Mr. Crow, the billionaire, buying his mom's or at least fixing up his mom's house is yeah. really troubling to me because that means he, he goes in front of the court and makes decisions about rich people. Clearly, that influences him. I don't care what he says, Val. He has to be influenced by that. You know, the, the last piece on this is that um, within the last couple of days, Justice Roberts was uh, asked to come, you know, talk to the Judiciary Committee up on the Senate side because the House is not going to, you know, look into Clarence Thomas ethically. Not this Judiciary Committee in the House because it's controlled by the Republicans. They're not. They're not going to. They don't care. He's doing exactly what they want to do, but but uh, Chief Justice Roberts declined to go talk to the Judiciary Committee and the Senate side. I, I think what that means is Clarence is going to escape for a while longer. There's going to have to be something very big to happen for him to be unseated from the Supreme Court. I, I guess that's my problem, and I don't know. Maybe you know it, it may not be in my lifetime, but at some point you have to quit giving lifetime appointments to these people. And you you, you got to have a better way to, to check them ethically to make sure that they're not doing things uh, that, you know, uh, are just not right. And clearly Clarence Thomas can't do stuff right. So, which is a good segue, because this is also about Clarence Thomas. Uh, Mithoprithone is a drug that they use to uh, uh, medically induce abortions. And, you know, the two people, Val, who, uh, uh, you know, uh, thought that the court should allow for the uh, blocking of using that drug to go through were Alito and Clarence Thomas. Now, uh, I kind of figured that would happen, but, you know, Clarence is starting to really get on my nerves. Let's look at this clip about the Fifth Circuit Court and in, in the, the banning of the abortion drug. And the abortion pill, Mifepristone, will remain on the market for now after a Supreme Court ruling late Friday. The High Court granted a full stay in a case concerning the FDA's approval of the widely used drug. The ruling freezes a lower court ruling that would have restricted access to the pill. Senior national policy reporter Ann Flaherty and ABC News Supreme Court contributor Kate Shaw Join me now for more on this. Thank you both for being here. And walk me through this decision and what it does for access to this abortion pill. So as you mentioned, Diane, these uh, lower court rulings are now on hold. The Supreme Court issuing that stay late on Friday. That means that it's the status quo in the market. It means that the, the drug mifepristone is available to women up to 10 weeks. Uh, it can be provided via telehealth and the mail. Those are existing FDA rules that have been in place since about 2016. Uh, the FDA says this drug is safe enough that a person doesn't need to see a, a doctor in person, um, that they can do that over a telehealth appointment. Now, that's what what this lawsuit was trying to fight. They were trying to overturn or, or suspend FDA's uh, approval of this drug entirely, um, but also to roll back those rules that made it easier to get. So now we head to the Fifth Circuit. There's a hearing scheduled May 17th. And, you know, I've spoken... Okay, Val, look, uh, I want people to have children who want to have children. I want ch people to have children who can take care of children. I don't believe in people just doing indiscriminately having abortions because society in the society to have an organized society, you just don't want to be, you know, just killing babies. You don't want that to be your first line of birth control. 
Now, here's the other part of it, though. You know, and I know that sometimes women's have, women will have ectopic pregnancies. They'll have other complications in pregnancy. They have unviable fetuses. And sometimes you have to save the life of the mother. And sometimes there's rape and incest, right? And these people who claim to love children so much, <laughs> right, who, who don't care if they get shot at school, don't want you to use this drug that is safe and effective. It's been approved by the FDA for over 20 years. Now they find a judge to go judge shopping in Texas and find a Trump appointee who's an idiot to try to overrule what the FDA has done. Val, what what level what level are we on with this? Is this critical mass where these folks are just going to keep finding these judges to do maybe overturn gay marriage, maybe overturn uh, interracial interracial marriage, whatever, right? And then because there's a six three court, they think they're safe. Now, right now, Justice Roberts keeps everything from falling completely to hell. But I don't trust Gorsuch and I don't trust Amy Coney Barrett and I don't trust Kavanaugh. Tell me what's going to happen with these cases, Val. Let's start with the one in Texas because now it's headed back to the Fifth Circuit. I I think that what they'll try to do is do something they call having it finally tailored to a specific amount of time. Uh, 24 weeks, uh, 18 weeks, uh, 26 weeks. In other words, they're going to try to uh, put their stamp on it where you're getting rid of this drug, but you're putting a timeline on uh, the the length of time that you can detect a heartbeat in the fetus uh, to say that they are compromising. That's the message they want to send to everybody, that they are not listening to the uh, Fifth Circuit uh, idiot, okay, that's calling himself a, 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 a circuit court judge. Uh, they're not listening to him 100%, nor are they falling away uh, from their conservative principles and satisfying the evangelical uh, crowd. So I think they're going to try to find something in between. And you'll find that that drug will be not be able to use after a certain period of time. Let me put it that way. That's what they're going to try to find out how to do. Yeah. It's been used yeah. for 20 years. Yeah. I was watching a show the other day, and they had some staggering statistics that over uh, uh, 5 million cases of the drug being uh, administered, they had like five deaths, which made that drug safer than Viagra, made it safer than penicillin. And, you know, what type of logic can you have for bringing that drug back, looking at its efficacy and safety when it's safer than penicillin? Are you going to bring penicillin back and say it's not safe enough? Yeah. Well, you know what the game is, Val? These folks want a theocracy. Uh, Now, I'm not. I'm, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. You can get mad at me if you want to, uh, folks, uh, evangelical Christians. You you believe that America should be a theocracy, 
and, and it should not. We're we're a democracy or a republic uh, at that, and uh, we do not use your Bible to make decisions about whatever. And besides, the Bible doesn't even really say anything about abortion, right? And what it does say is that you can kill babies under certain circumstances. I'm not even going to go there today, Val. Don't, they don't want to make me call them out. But here's the honest to God truth. Uh, we do not want people like Ron DeSantis, Ron DeSanctimonious, I like to call him, uh, and, and Donald Trump calls him that too, uh, pretending like they're protecting children by banning books and then also by banning abortion. Now, Florida now has a six-week limit. We're here in North Carolina, Val, and we've been okay so far, but I, I really do think that the next fight is going to be here in North Carolina because we've allowed the North Carolina legislature to be taken over by these idiots. And I do mean idiots in the kindest terms. They're idiots uh, to take over. And now we're in a situation where the governor can't block anything because of the supermajority here in North Carolina. There's a supermajority in Tennessee. There's a supermajority in Alabama. There's a supermajority in Mississippi. The only place in the South where there isn't is Virginia. Uh, and, and so, you know, what you'll think eventually see is people having to travel for abortion services right now to North Carolina. There's been an uptick, but I don't think that's going to last forever, Val, because of the people who are in charge. I, I'm, I, I could go on and on about this because I'm, I'm kind of exercised about it. Uh, my evangelical friends, uh, you can be mad at me if you want to. But uh, we're going to talk about this in more detail in other shows because we, we we can't have a country that's a, that's run by evangelicals. We just can't, and, and 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 that's problematic for me. You know what, Val? Before I say something that gets me in real trouble, let's take a break. And yeah. when we come back, <laughs> and when we come back, I want to talk about why Trump still has support. I want to talk about the debt ceiling. I also want to talk about Moral Monday, which is something that started in North Carolina that's 10 years old today. So we'll be right back after these messages. Be the difference at Elizabeth City State University and discover your strength, ignite your passion, and prepare to make a difference in the world. Nestled in Northeastern North Carolina, ECSU is your home away from home offering a quality and affordable education in a nurturing and supportive environment. Size does matter, and ECSU's small size means that students know their classmates, students receive one-on-one -on -one attention from their professors, and students know that the faculty and staff are committed to their academic success. Welcome to ECSU, where your success, safety, and comfort matter. At Elizabeth City State University, students come to discover their passion and leave to conquer their dreams. Whatever your passion is, you can be the difference at ECSU. New polling shows most Republicans still support Donald Trump's campaign, despite his mounting legal troubles. Can we just stop right there? Can yeah. we just stop right well, there? There's a lot of reasons for that. We can go into them. Can we just stop right there shouldn't. for a second? They still support him. 
Reverend Al, despite the fact this is a guy who said he wanted to terminate the Constitution. This is a guy who denied the election, uh, would not, was the first president, actually, since the Civil War, did not allow a peaceful transfer of power. Uh, a guy who actually supported the overthrow of the, 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 the election results, uh, spurred on uh, 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 an insurrection against the United States of America. All of these riots, people in jail because of Donald Trump. And Republicans are, that's fine. That's fine. You know, it reminds me, back in the 2016, John Meacham said that Donald Trump was like a hijacker that got on a plane, the, the Republican Party in this case, and everybody that was, all the passengers on the plane were cheering for the hijacker. And welcome back to our third and final segment of the deal. I'm your host, Ed Clark. That's Val Atkinson. We've been talking about stuff. Tucker Carlson, uh, Don Lemon, uh, Val was all shook up about that. So we figured we'd do a show today. Maybe he would feel better uh, that he could talk about it. We talked about Clarence Thomas and his shenanigans with uh, taking money from rich people. All the while he's lying, saying that he's hanging out at the Walmart. We know he wasn't. Then we talked about methoprisone, um drug that's been they tried to ban Val in the first Fifth Circuit Court had, case has been kicked back to them by the U.S. Supreme Court. I don't know what's going to happen there, but we know there's going to be more abortion challenges. And when we came back from the break, Val, we played a clip of Donald Trump and about Donald Trump. And this is from MSNBC this morning. Uh, Joe Scarborough and Mika were talking about the fact that Donald Trump still has solid support on the Republican side. Uh, I mean, not not tepid 30% of Republicans, like 60, 65, 68% of Republicans still support him. Uh, and Ron DeSantis is going backwards, it seems. And then uh, people like Nikki Haley have no traction. Uh, Tim Scott uh, from South Carolina has no traction. Asa Hutchinson from Arkansas has no traction. Now, it's not to say that won't change. Donald Trump has been indicted, right? So you expect that maybe there'll be some fallout from that. So, Val, here's the question for you. Uh, why the hell, twice impeached, tried to overthrow the country, now he's indicted, paying off porn stars, I could just go down the litany, lied about how wealthy he was, uh, uh, caused the largest increase in the debt and deficit by any president ever in the whole history, all of them combined. You just go down the list. Why is Donald Trump still the front runner for the Republicans? It's something we used to call the Tea Party. I call them teabaggers. They are the majority. They have taken over the grand old party, the GOP. Whatever they say goes. And for those who don't know it, they have chosen Donald Trump. Donald Trump is not the leader. It's the Tea Party that have said that as long as he makes Democrats liberals and progressives feel the way they do 
and squirm like they squirm just at his presence. That's who I want to put out front to lead me. That's who I want to be. And oh, by the way, all you other Republicans, if you're running for office in the primary, if you don't get on board with me, then I will vote for whoever your opponent happens to be. With that kind of power, Donald Trump is a force to be reckoned with in the primary. In the primary. I still take the position to say that right now, today, next week, next year, Donald Trump cannot win a general election because he goes too far to the right in primary elections and people are a little smarter than they were in 2016. A little smarter. Now, you know, I know what they're going to try to do with voter suppression and all of that kind of stuff to try to keep the numbers down against him. But uh, he's got an uphill battle uh, right now. And the only thing that he's going to win convincingly is primary races where the Tea Party, the old Tea Party, still rules the roost. As long as they rule the roost, they'll make Donald Trump look like the, the Napoleon. Uh, who might we like to call Caesar? They'll make him look like that. But when they get to the point that they ain't in control, then you see who the real Donald Trump is, and that's going to be in the general election. Well, you know, Val, we didn't talk about this, but it made me think of somebody else that sort of fits in that same category. And, the, and that's the lieutenant governor of North Carolina, Mr. Robinson. Yes. Now, he, he, he gets a lot of kudos from the far right. They love him when he goes because he talks junk about Negroes. And he he loves his gun. He loves the baby Jesus. Right. He, he, he hits all the marks for the religious right. Uh, but black candidates in North Carolina statewide have not fared well, whether they've been on Democrats, and there haven't been that many Republicans, but the few that they have have gotten nowhere. Robinson is a little bit different in that he apes that Trump line very well. He he hews to it. He stays on message. And and he can you know get a crowd, right? Uh and all of that. Now here's the deal. Uh Will he have the same fate as a Donald Trump if he makes it to the general election? Right now, the front runner in North Carolina is a guy named Josh Stein, who we've interviewed before on other program connections. Josh has, you know, been a very good attorney general for the state of North Carolina. Uh, I don't, I don't think he's going to have much of a challenge for the nomination for governor. Uh, and there's only been a few people on the Republican side who have talked about running. And Robinson's out there full-throated, right? What's the deal with Robinson? Will he make it through the primary? Because he does like to put his foot in his mouth, too. But say he makes it through the primary, he has the same sort of baggage that Donald Trump has. What do you think about him? He'll have the same uh, result that Donald Trump has in the general election. He can't win a general election. And uh, what what... Guys like Robinson and Scott, Senator Scott, are going to find out. They're going to find out why they do so well or why they've done so well. 
in their positions in the Republican Party. Republican love people like Senator Scott and Lieutenant Governor Robertson because it allows them to appear not to be racist. It allows them to say, hey, we got one too. Or as Trump used to say, where's my black guys? You know, <laughs> it allows them to do that. Robertson and Scott, they act like they're oblivious to that. They, they haven't found out that the reason they got you, man, is to keep them from looking racist. They don't give a hoot about you. And you're going to find out it during the election cycle. In 2024, when you run for vice president, uh, when you run for the presidential nomination of your party, when you run for the gubernatorial nomination of your party, you're going to find out what white folks really think about you. And uh, they don't think very much of you. They don't think very much of you at all in a general election because they're not going to be a lot of independents. We know which way they, the progressive and liberals are going to vote. We know the MAGA people and the Tea Party. It's the people in the middle that have gotten much smarter since 2016. And they showed a little bit of that in 20. And I think they showed even more in 22. And I think they're going to show even more in 24 because of the abortion issue. Yeah. It's going well, to be very difficult for those guys to win in 24 because of Alito. You lay all of this at the feet of Alito. Yeah, well, Mr. Robinson may want to talk to Mr. Walker. That would be Herschel Walker. Yes. And, he, and, and he'll understand. Now, Herschel almost pulled it out, but he was not going to pull it out because of what you just said, Val, is when the rubber hits the road. Well, we we can't vote for this Negro. He's not that smart. Whatever, blah, blah blah. You know they'll 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 let him know that you know we we like for you to keep talking bad about other colored folk and and your shenanigans with talking about banning books and talking bad about gay people or whatever. But it's a bridge too far for you to be the actual governor, right? <laughs> so when he when he wakes up the next morning after the election and he's not governor and he has to go back to being a preacher in a storefront church in Greensboro. We'll see what happens. But well, I think, I think it's the end of the road for him there. Sure. Sure. It is Be because this is the same reason why when they elect, when we elected uh, Roy Cooper as governor at the same time, people went to the poll and voted for all Republicans for all of your statewide judicial races. The majority of your council of state races went to Republicans, but they held aside that one job for governor, the top guy in the state went to Roy Cooper, the Democrat. And they have been doing that with regularity, even with the female Democrat, with Beverly Perdue and Mike Easley and Jim Hunt, one, two, three, and four, and right on up and down the line. And it, if it wasn't for Martin uh, and your boy from from Charlotte, the uh, the school guy I call him, with the vouchers guy, uh, we would we would have a clean sweep of uh, Democratic gubernatorial candidates over the last uh, forty years. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I got us a little bit off track, but you know, talking about Trump, I made me think of Robinson, but. Uh, we're going to switch gears a little bit 
uh, here, and uh, I got a clip I want you to look at. This is about the debt ceiling. Good morning. Good to be with you, Joe. <clears throat> so we know how narrow the, uh, the margin is in the House. A lot of people say it, it, it can't be done, but uh, I don't know. What, what, what is the whip? What can you tell us? Well, uh, House Republicans under Kevin McCarthy, Joe, are not going to let this country default on its, uh, on its responsibilities. Uh, McCarthy has been uh, trying to get the president, Joe Biden, to negotiate on a uh, debt ceiling deal since the beginning of this Congress. And he's been told at least a couple of times by the president that he's willing to negotiate. But there's been absolutely no movement. So House Republicans are going to do what we've been doing since the beginning of this Congress. We're going to leave. We're going to pass a uh, debt ceiling uh, proposal off the House floor and send it over to the Senate. And uh, we'll uh, hopefully uh, either get that passed into law or the uh, president and this administration will uh, finally want to talk about it. So, Val, uh, the speaker, Mr. McCarthy, he had to cut deals with everybody and his mama to become speaker. We sat up and watched. I did. At least I was an idiot. I sat up and watched all 14 rounds of voting uh, for him to be speaker. And so now he said that he was going to force, you know, Joe Biden to negotiate. And then Joe Biden was going to get rid of this program and that program and blah, blah, blah. Here's the reality, Val. McCarthy ain't got no votes. They got the slimmest majority you can just about have. And they can pass something and send it up to the Senate. It ain't got no chance of passing in the Senate. So he can threaten all he wants to. But there's a real consequence in the clip. These economists are talking about how the economy would be completely trashed if you don't raise the debt ceiling. And in the past, raising the debt ceiling, even under Donald Trump, yeah, they rumbled a little bit, but they did it anyway. What the hell is McCarthy think he's going to do? He's already seen that he has a weak uh, back bench, all right? And then the people he's trying to put in leadership, like uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene and Boebert and Jim Jordan, they're clowns. Their committees have been completely wasted time. What's going to happen with this debt ceiling, Val? Uh, it, I know they're going to pass something, but... Where where does the showdown happen at the OK Corral? The same thing that's always happened over the years, Ed. Democrats cave in. They'll figure out some kind of way they can cave in enough so that Republicans can say that they caved, but not enough to really hurt the budget or hurt whatever. That's, that's exactly what's going to happen this time. They'll find something to cave in on. And... You know, it's not enough. I Sometimes I want to get Democrats in a room and tell them, look, you need to understand what this thing is all about. The debt ceiling is something that the Congress has to approve borrowing. Right now, we had like 31 trillion or some number like that. And once we hit up against that number, the Congress has to say, OK, we can borrow uh, up to 35 trillion or whatever in order to to uh fund the uh government for the next couple of years or whatever okay that's fine what does that have to do with cutting back snap and tanf and social security and medicare 
It doesn't have a damn thing to do. It's just the Republicans want a victory in this. And it's like people being in a house. The house is on fire. And one guy is saying, unless you give me $50, I am not going to allow you to operate the fire extinguisher. Say, hell, it's going to burn you up too. Hell, I don't care. You care more about life and this house than I do. And I would not allow you to use the fire extinguisher unless you give me $50. What the hell does $50 have to do with the fire extinguisher? And Democrats keep doing that. Well, can I give you 45? Well, let's negotiate between 40 and 45. Okay, I'll give you 42.50 if you let me use the fire extinguisher to put out there. And they keep doing that every damn year. They keep doing that. And Republicans go back to their base and say, uh, they knew we were right, so they had to cave into us. And we go back and say, boy, we avoided another Great Depression because, you know, when we catch a cold, the rest of the world catches pneumonia and that kind of thing like that. So we had to do it. No, you well, don't. No, you don't have to. No, you don't. Stop caving in to these guys because every time you cave in, he's going to be back the next day. It's like giving the bully on the playground your lunch hoping he won't ask for it tomorrow. Yeah. Well, you know, Val, you're talking about cut back on stuff like SNAP and stuff. There, there's, there, there are people in states who want to cut out lunch in Iowa and places like that. The, I mean, they feel so emboldened because, they, like you said, they think the Democrats are not going to fight back. I, I will encourage people to fight back. And the last story I want to cover is about fighting back the Moral Monday movement that started here in Raleigh 10 years ago. The anniversary of it is today. Here's a clip of Reverend Barber. Talk about uh, the first moral, uh, the, the 10th anniversary uh, of Moral Monday and, and what you've been able to accomplish over this decade. Well, thank you, Joe. Thank you, Meek. Good morning, Reverend Al. You know, when we look at Mar Monday that happened 10 years ago in North Carolina, we had a supermajority to come into the General Assembly because of redistricting that was not stopped by the Justice Department. And in the first few weeks, they decided that they would block uh, health care expansion, Medicaid expansion. They would attack the LGBTQ community, block living wages, block unemployment uh, increases. And then in April, they decided they would go after health care, I mean, voting rights as well. And what people decided was every crucifixion needs a, a witness, even if you're in the minority. And so 17 of us, built on seven years of organizing what we call the Forward Together Moral Movement, went into the General Assembly and said, listen, we are here to say that um, health care and voting rights and living wages uh, are, are moral issues. Of that 17, interestingly, uh, seven of So, Val, we've had Reverend Barber on before as well. Uh, over the years. I've been knowing Reverend Barber for a long time. Uh, and the Moral Monday movement started in North Carolina when the Republicans took over the legislature and they were talking about cutting all kind of programs and school vouchers and all kind of stuff. And, and you know, the movement really kind of kept some things from completely imploding here. And now the movement spread to Tennessee. So here's the last thing, Val. You know, you could have stuff like Moral Monday, right? Get arrested and protest and all that, and, and we should do that. 
but the fact is, is I told you in all the Southern states, save one, save Virginia, there's super majorities of Republicans because they've gerrymandered their way into power. More Monday talks about trying to form these coalitions with white people. And they, uh, last week, Reverend Barber was in Eastern Kentucky working with coal miners and people like that, trying to, you know, get them to see that in, it's in their interest not to follow along with these Republicans. Are, are, are we going to see these coalitions like Reverend Barber is talking about built uh, anytime soon? Or will we have to suffer through another round? And, and when I mean round of this, I'm talking about 10 years, mm. right? Because they, the, most of these districts are in and are going to be in for the next 10 years. W will these coalitions hold or will these districts hold? What's going to win out in the end, Val? I, I wish I had a crystal ball head on that. But this is where the fight needs to go. Because we talk on this show all the time. Uh, the impediments that's keeping us from being a real democracy, from exercising the full value of our republic and those kinds of things. And one of them is, you just said, the gerrymandering. The other happens to be, said it early on, uh, life terms on, on the Supreme Court, uh, having corporations to be uh, classified as people, uh, voter suppression, all, all of that kind of stuff, Okay. I applaud what Reverend Barber is trying to do because he's going uh, in the, the mouth, the teeth of the lion and said, you people I'm talking to now are the people that the CAD system run by House Republicans that identify you in their district to make it gerrymandered in such a way that they keep the majority. That system has identified you because they think you're going to vote for them because you've been voting Republican for the last 20 years. Fool them. Don't vote Republican this time. Make them redraw that CAD system. Make the CAD system unavailable to them, ineffective for them. That's what he's trying to do, I believe. Because if he's not, he's wasting his time. He's wasting his time. I know we need to, to continue to get out the, the black vote, uh, the non-MAGA vote, the non-Tea Party vote. We need to get that out. But while we're doing this, we got to work on the other piece, the strength of the other side, which is gerrymandering. If you don't do something about that, all is for naught, Ed. You got to stop gerrymandering. I, if I had the answer, believe me, I wouldn't keep it a secret. I let it go right now, okay? Well, but Somebody has got to do something about gerrymandering or uh, everything you, else doesn't matter. No, it doesn't, Val. You know what? Uh, I don't want to uh, run out of time here. You know, we always ask, you know, what's going on. And, and again, we've been away for the last couple of Saturdays. So uh, anything you need to tell us, anything you're working on, anything you want us to know? Uh, not at this particular time. Well, you know, I think we talked about enough <laughs> tonight. <laughs> And uh, we really appreciate folks, uh, again, supporting the program. We've been growing the audience. Uh, again, go to the dealwithedclark.com. You can go to Facebook, whatever. But what I encourage you to do is just subscribe to the RSS feed. If you go to the website, there's a link up there. It has the RSS feed. Just copy that, and you always have it. You can go to Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever else. 
You can subscribe there. You'll never miss an episode. Uh, you can go back and listen to episodes. You can share that link with other people. We, we'd appreciate it if you do that uh, because we do this because we believe that we're providing a service, uh, that, that we're telling the truth when other people won't. Uh, we say some hard things. So my evangelical friends, you can be mad at me today. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll discuss. We'll have some people on in the near future to talk about why we can't have a theocracy in the United States and be good to everybody and so on and so forth. So in the meantime, uh, catch me this Sunday coming up on Connections on Foxy 107-104. Read all my stuff on the deal with Clark.com and come back with us on Saturday. So we hope to be back on our regular day on Saturday for another edition of The Deal. Thanks a lot. Oh, by the way, go out and do something good for somebody today. That's all we ever ask you to do. Bye.